Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our very first episode on the series of Community Builders. In this series, we're going to hear from women who build community locally as well as far-reaching connections. As Jen Hatmaker says, instead of waiting for community, provide it and you'll end up with it anyway. This series is so dear to my heart as building the In Awe community is one of my main missions in life and it is a serious joy to amplify stories of women on a similar mission. The ladies featured in this series lift others through their life work, and I know you will be inspired by the mission and their messages. To kick off our series, it is my great pleasure to bring to you a woman who inspires many. Jennifer Hogan has always had a passion for helping others. She has over 20 years experience as an educator, and she is currently an assistant principal at Hoover High School in Alabama. She has experience at the high school level as a science teacher, coach, assistant principal, and principal. In her various professional roles, she has stressed the importance of creating an engaging learning environment through relationships and respect, high expectations, and student voice. Jennifer was named the 2018 Alabama Secondary Assistant Principal of the Year and was selected as one of the three finalists for NASSP 2018 National Assistant Principal of the Year. Jennifer is a valuable resource for educators across the globe as a presenter, mentor, and via her professional blog, The Compelled Educator. As a digital and connected leader, she is the co-founder of Alabama Education Chat and the quarterly United States Education Chat on Twitter. She leads Voxer Group for Women in Educational Leadership, and she is a co-creator of the Compelled Tribe, a blogging community for educators. In this episode, we hear about Jennifer's path into becoming a community builder and her focus on mentoring others. From her story, we learn how we too can find ourselves in the place we're meant to be, learn best from one another, and reach out to others to rise to our best version. I am so proud to amplify for you today, Jennifer Hogan's Community Builder story. Welcome, Ms. Jennifer Hogan to the In Awe podcast. I am just super thrilled that you are on our show today and really excited that the listeners get to come to your story in the series of community building and mentoring because you are a rock star in this space. Hey, Sarah, I am so thankful to be here. Um, This is just going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait to share my story with you and with the listeners. Um, This is just going to be a lot of fun today. So one of the things that I've really loved about the In Awe podcast is I know that we have listeners that are inside the world of education and outside of the world of education. And so would you go ahead and provide just a little bit of background context for those listening that may not be aware of who you are, Jennifer? Absolutely. I am currently a high school assistant principal in Hoover, Alabama at Hoover High School, but I have been a principal. I've been an assistant principal, a teacher, a coach, all of those things at the high school level, um, but not necessarily in the order that you might traditionally think of someone um, having those positions. So I just want to share a little bit of my journey in education because there's been so many pivots um, and right turns in my journey. And um, I I taught for four years. And um, then I questioned, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, Um, and and I'm really glad it happened early on in my career so that I felt like I could make a change at that point. And so after four years, I quit teaching. um, And my husband and I became entrepreneurs. We um, owned our own gym. We were personal trainers. And we did that for two years. And it was during that time that I really realized education is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, I was an athletic coach and I gave pitching lessons during that time and coached the softball team during that time. And and it really made me 
realize how much I missed working with kids. Um, and so I went back into education and, and I was a teacher for six years and then became an assistant principal at the same school where I was a teacher. Um, and then I got a call during a summer um, to come interview for a principal position. And I got an offer and accepted it and went and became a principal for two years. And after two years, I left that school and went to Hoover High School, where I currently am. Um, but I went from a principalship back to the classroom. And so I was in the classroom for two years before I became, before I moved into my current position of assistant principal, which I have been there for the past eight years um, as assistant principal. Um, since that time, after four years that I left education and got back into it, I never questioned you know, is this supposed to be what I'm doing? Um, am I in the right place? And when I left the principalship and went back to the classroom, um, I had a student in my classroom one day who was upset. And um, when I had a chance to talk with him, um, I had him to write on a piece of paper, you know, what was going on. And um, he told me that he had a loaded gun in his backpack and that he was going to kill himself that morning. And so when he shared that with me and I got people in place, our crisis counselor, our SROs, um, and, and went through that and realized that I was, I was there for a reason much bigger than anything I could have ever imagined or thought of. Um, and so to this day, I love going to work. I never question um, where I am or what I'm doing and just know that I am, I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing the work I'm supposed to be doing. So there's a lot of peace that comes with that. And it's a pretty neat journey as I look back over these past 25 years in education. Jennifer, that was just a kind of a mic drop moment because I had never heard that. And it shows me that if you've shared that before, I haven't come across that piece of you. And it's just so impactful because there are, are a lot of different reactions people could have from that very serious experience with that student. And yours is a place of peace, but also confidence. That's one of the things that I've really gained from knowing you better in the last several months since we first met face to face, this level of confidence that's inspiring. And it's a really beautiful sign that you are walking in your calling, but that just, <laughs> I'm still recovering from hearing that detail. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, you know, really, I haven't always been that way, um, in terms of confidence, um, when I was in college, I can remember um, I was a volleyball player at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and I had played volleyball for three years and um, had a shoulder injury, had surgery, and I never got back to 100 percent. And then I transferred schools after that and played softball at another university in Birmingham called Sanford University, played softball for two years there. And I can remember making an intentional decision um, that summer as I changed colleges, I was almost going to reinvent myself because prior to that, I was the shy kid. I didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, I excelled at sports. I excelled at academics, but I never had that inner kind of confidence. And my, my sister, who's 17 months younger than I, she seemed to have that. And I told myself, I am going to be like my sister. And from then on, um, it has been a, a slow um, journey. And um, sometimes I feel like I'm just coming into my own. But I do remember it when I left the principalship, <clears throat> that was probably um, a moment where my pride um, was hurt. And I, I 
lost confidence and thought that people were going to um, wonder why I left and, and question my ability and think that, you know, she can't do it as an administrator. Um, I, I just worried so much about what people were going to think. And, and you know, they didn't know this, the behind the scenes story of why I was leaving. And when, after that happened in the classroom, it was at that point I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. This is about me and my journey uh, and, you know, what God has planned for me. So that's where that source of confidence comes from is just understanding that whatever I do, it's his plan to glorify him and, and whatever he needs me to do. And so that's what I'm going to do. I am so thankful that you said those words because I have so much of my own experience mirrored just in what you're talking about. And I know that the listeners can really relate to that, whether they are at the front end of that or right in the middle of rumbling with their own confidence or on the back end of it, it's really beautiful, this message that you share. And you provide to us just this thought that, you know, maybe this isn't our ending either. You know, there's something else coming. And just listening to that um, message inside your heart and that confidence that you have from walking in that calling is so beautiful. Well, thank you, Sarah. What I would like to know, Jennifer, because you, so you, you went away from education, you refreshed yourself, you came back to this calling that you state, you know, is something that you're meant to do. You've done various roles. And I shared with you in the pre chat that when I had gotten connected on social media, specifically Twitter, it was in my first year of the principalship and I had entered into one of the most unbalanced spaces of my life. So I wasn't really contributing. I was much of a consumer at that time, just really looking at other people. And you were one of those people in the beginning that kind of stuck out. And what I'm wondering is, could you share with our listeners how you kind of went from leadership in your own building and in that space to the communities that you've built and the the mentoring that you've been doing? Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate you saying that um, about being a principal and, um, and reaching out on Twitter for others. That is a message that um, I try to share whenever I can, um, just about the power of Twitter and connectedness. Um, when I was a principal, that was um, 2007 to 2009. And, um, you know, the iPhone had just come out, I think, in 2008. So uh, the social media as we know it was not present then, and I wasn't connected. And if I had been connected then, um, like I am now, it, it may, have, may have been a different story. I think I would have had a lot, a lot greater confidence. Um, but just having a support system um, is so important. And that's what I've really come to realize. And that is one reason why I created the Compelled Tribe. It's a reason why I created a Voxer group for women in education leadership. Um, it's a reason why I collaborate with others. I give blogging advice to um, many people will send me direct messages. I give blogging advice um, whenever I can. I'm a part of the Aspiring Leaders cohort um, where I mentor um, aspiring leaders from across the country. Just any time that I can give back and help others, um, I want to do that. And and what I know and what I share is to create a support system. So if you're not, if you don't want to create one, a group for yourself, um, like the Women in Ed Leadership Boxer Group, I needed it for myself and I knew there had to be other people who needed it. And so I created it. But if you don't want to or fear at this point creating your own, find one that you can join um, because there's just such. Um, I say the word power, um, but it's it's empowerment really when you have that 
community and that support system around you, whatever your position is, whatever your aspirations are, wherever, whatever position you've come from, it's just an important thing to have. Well, and I can value so much what you were saying about the lack of tech um, when you were in that role and what a a change that was for you. Because for example, I live in a town that has a population 1300 people the schools that I've served in, I was the only English teacher. I was the Ooh. only principal. And um, in fact, my first principalship, there were there were two of us for the K-12 building. You really lose a lot if you isolate yourself. And I don't even think it's intentional. I think when you go from the classroom to the principalship specifically, there's just a level of isolation that occurs naturally due to the progression of that job. And so reaching outside of your district, regardless of how small or large it is, is a complete, to use the cliche term, game changer. It, you know, it sure is. When I went from a teacher to assistant principal, you know, there were a hundred other people in the building who did what I did as a classroom teacher. I could just walk 10 feet outside my classroom and there was somebody there. I could go to the teacher's lounge. I could just, you know, bump into somebody at any time and, and bounce ideas off of them and, and we could talk. Um, but when I became an assistant principal, um, you know, there were three of us in the building and I was the assistant principal of curriculum and instruction. And the other two administrators didn't work with curriculum and instruction. They handled discipline and building management. I became the person in the building who, um, you know, did my job. And without the ability to connect and just, you know, in an instant, send a message out on Twitter and ask, hey, what are you doing about this? Hey, how'd you work through that? Um, You know, it became very isolating. Um, And then when I became a principal, most of the principals at the high school level are male. And most of them around my area were male Um, and not to knock them because there are some really great people. Um, But it sometimes felt like a boys club, you know, and there were a few men who got together regularly um, in some of our over the mountains, what we call it in our our general area and our over the mountain schools who got together about once a month for breakfast. Um, But there was no one there for me to do that with, you know, to network that way before social media. Um, so I just, I just wanted to share that. <laughs> they didn't invite you. <laughs> and they didn't invite me. Oh, I mean, man. what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get that. I think that you would be um, an addition to any table, but I get what you're saying. And a huge reason why I'm so thankful that we met when we did So for the listeners, Jennifer and I met at the National Principals Conference in Chicago. And I just remember I was at one of my most um, maybe self-conscious times because I didn't know what was next for me yet. It was so new, this space of walking away from a, a position. And you gave me such... Just, I don't know, it's a gentle clarity that you weren't like, wow, that's crazy. What were you thinking? It's more like, you know what? I've been there before and you're going to figure it out. And this this calm, gentle mentorship that was new. I, I just hadn't gotten quite that reaction yet. And so I wanted to thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. But it was really cool, too, because I knew that I would be, you know, focusing and leaning in on this idea of women in leadership. And here you have already been leading in that space. Um, So would you like to share with the listeners just a little bit about the conference that you helped with? I think it was last spring. Absolutely. Um, There are three other women in our local area who had begun talking about having a women in ed leadership conference. Well, actually, not even a conference. They just knew they wanted to do something. They didn't know exactly what they wanted to do. They just have been throwing this idea around about women needing women. Um, 
having a, there's just a few women in um, leadership roles in schools. It's majority male. And they had just been talking about this. One of the gals um, had written her dissertation on this. And so they made, you know, they thought about people in our area that they could call and just further the conversation. And so I was one of those people. So I went to the table and we just tossed around some ideas and came up with a women in ed leadership conference. Um, And so we just started planning and thought about um, what were the topics that we would want to present? Um, what would be relevant for women? What are some of the struggles? What are the issues? Um, what are the celebrations that um, would p- appeal to women and relate to women? And so we thought about the topics first, and then we thought about really strong women that we knew across the state. Um, and so we started reaching out and simply asked, would they come and present on us certain to- this certain topic? Um, and it was amazing uh, for the response that we got from women across the state who totally agreed to either be a part of a panel discussion or to lead a presentation. And so um, last summer we had our um, conference where it was just a half day conference. It was really cool. We had um, different breakout sessions um, and then we had a speaker during lunch and, and that was it. We wanted to be respectful of women's time because we know that women wear all these hats, their wives, their bosses, their, um, you know, mothers, they're the taxi driver, they're, you know, the babysitter coordinator, they're all those things. And so um, it was only a half day conference, but it was just a shot in the arm. And we got such terrific feedback. And it was really cool, too, because it was just women who were there. And um, again, like I say, not to knock men, um, but there's just something about being with all females, all in leadership. And there were a few aspiring leaders who were there um, who who can understand each other's mindset and um, barriers and challenges and, and lots of networking happen. And it's just been really, really cool. Well, that is incredible. And I... I know that you talked about, you know, your faith already. So I feel very comfortable saying, and my listeners already know that that's where the core that I come from, but I just know that God put you in my life because I can still visualize where we were in the lobby of this hotel before we went to to dinner. And it just blew my mind thinking, well, there's already this hashtag out there. There's women lead EDU and you're already, um, you've got a boxer group full of really strong, capable women in leadership. And I was thinking, I'm just looking for this. I'm just trying to seek it. And the mm-hmm. fact that you were there and sharing about these things just in this same time frame that I was looking and not sure that I was leaping into this space as hard as I have. Just so thankful that you would pave that way because there are differences. And I'm glad that you say there's nothing against male leadership. One of the things that I've done in this kind of gap of my own um, school leadership and what I'm doing with In Awe to Rise is I've taken a whole series uh, certificate from on women in leadership from Cornell University. And it's just really it's important that we acknowledge that there's differences, that um, women are viewed in particular ways depending upon their leadership style. And we understand that there are strong leadership characteristics that both genders can use, but women are viewed differently when they, um, for example, do a take charge leadership style like delegating. There's this double bind that we all kind of walk in. And I know one of the things that uh, surprised me as I was leaving my position as a person who led with great heart, I was constantly being asked, well, when are you going to break down? Like, when are you going to cry? And it just had me thinking, you know, had me thinking pretty hard about that. Have people been judging my 
my Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence based upon the fact that I don't display tears because they're expecting it. You know, it's just this really interesting kind of um, issue that females in leadership face. Males in leadership face all kinds of different social normed issues, but they're different from what we face. They are. And, you know, some of those expect, some of those are like um, expectations that um, society and people have, and they're not really even um, cognizant of having those um, stereotypes or those expectations, just like what you say about crying. Um, You know, it's just kind of a hidden expectation or a belief that when women are hurt, Um, that they're going to show it. Um, And so women who don't show emotions, who are pretty stoic, um, I'm one of those people, then it can be read in a different way um, because it doesn't meet those expectations, you know, of what society has placed (laughs) on us. And so um, those are the challenges that are hard to explain to someone who is not a female. You know, and there are challenges that are so relatable that we can help instruct one another. And, you know, there are things that we can do to get around those. And mm-hmm. that's why a session like you had, I, I don't know that emotional intelligence was a topic or not, but regardless, <laughs> I mean, there are issues that are really important for us to kind of, um, you know, self-reflect upon and just overcome because that's how we're going to keep helping one another rise through these challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to give you an opportunity since we're on this concept of community and mentorship. Would you like to share at all? I'd like to hear just a little bit more about the Compelled Tribe and what that does and kind of what the mission of Compelled Tribe is. Back in 2014, I had this thought that I wanted to create a tribe of education bloggers. And it had come from um, my following entrepreneurs, business people who were in tribes and there were blogging tribes, but there, I didn't, I was not aware of any tribes for specifically for bloggers who were educators. And so um, Craig Vroom was someone that I had simply connected with on Twitter um, at that time, you know, and it was 2014. I had really liked a lot of his messaging. Um, And so I sent him a message and said, Hey, I got an idea. I want to run past you, uh, see what you think about it. And he was all on board. And so um, we simply wrote a blog post, a collaborative blog post um, about what the tribe is and um, kind of how it works. And so we just, you know, pushed out a Google form and said, if you would like to be a part, um, you know, sign up join us. And um, since then, of course, as it's as we've grown and um, we've pushed out more posts and more messaging with our hashtag compelled tribe, now we simply have people message us who ask to be a part of the tribe. Um, and it's really a place um, where people can find support for each other um, around the concept of blogging. To be in the compelled tribe, you of course have to have a blog. Um, some of the newer bloggers though, we asked them to publish f- at least five posts before we would consider them because you know there's just lots of beginner type things that you have to work through in the beginning. And um, we really wanna make sure that the people who join the tribe are, are really wanting to be there. And so um, it's not just a, a bright and shiny type thing. I want to try this because other people are blogging, but they really feel like this is going to be something good for them. Now we do have tribe members who um, haven't blogged in a while and we send out our, um, our monthly email and we'll get emails back that say, 
They'll say, hey, I haven't blogged, but I'm so thankful to be in this tribe. I read every email. I'm reading the blog posts, Um, you know, and they really appreciate the encouragement. Uh, And then sometimes they'll get back to, you know, regular blogging. But all we do is ask that um, once a month, um, we have a common topic. And so we all blog about the same topic. And we just ask our members to tag each other, as you shared on Twitter, to use the Compelled Tribe hashtag. And then we ask to blog about another topic um, a second time in the month. And then, um, you know, whatever your choice is. And then we share those links out on Twitter, too. And and just really try to support each other, leave comments on our blog posts. Um, it's just so affirming to know that when you publish a blog post, it's not just out there in the air uh, and you're wondering if only your brother and your aunt read it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And if my brother's listening, I don't think you've read any one of my posts. <laughs> well, he should. <laughs> well, yeah. You may have read one, but no, that's that's great. And what a, an, an empowering thing, again, because I think like you mentioned, you don't build a community just to have this bright and shiny thing. It's definitely meant to empower. And that's what I've seen you doing in the communities that you're building, which is awesome. I'm, I'm glad that's coming through because that is truly uh, my mission to be an encourager and to empower others. So I'm glad that's coming through. Well, it absolutely is not just in that. And that's what I love about you, Jennifer, and why I think it's so perfect that you're highlighted here in this series, though, of course, you could be in multiple spots in the In Awe podcast. But I'm just thinking about the few that we've mentioned, and you've got a couple of other things in the works, even this will be in April, but right now we're talking it's January and you're going to be doing a book study and you've combined up with Dennis Griffin Jr. for that. You want to talk a little bit about that? I wrote an ebook. Um, It's called the handbook for courageous handbook for courageous leadership. And um, Dennis found found that I had written this. And, and so he sent me a direct message and I'm sure he's not going to mind me sharing this. So he sent me a direct message and said, um, Jennifer, I did not know you had written an ebook. I am going to download it and read it now. And so then he sent me another <laughs> message um, and we connected on Voxer. And so he left me a few boxes about what he had read. And um, it was just really um, helpful for him and some places where he was at at that time. And just really got a lot out of the words that were there. And so um, we just started talking. And um, and so we talked about doing a book study in January and kicking off the new year, um, you know, as a month long study of being a courageous leader in 2019. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so that's going to kick off. And I'm really excited to see how that helps others throughout this year as we have these conversations around being a courageous leader. I love because I didn't know you had written this ebook either. And so I want to talk to you about that at some other point as to why that just felt like it was <laughs> under the radar, but really excited about how you can have a professional learning network member, you know, pour it back into you and say, look, this is helpful. Let's let's make it amplified and let's help empower other people. So incredible. And I love, I love that Dennis did that. It's not a surprise at all. Yeah. Which I I think is another really beautiful example of you, Jennifer, because we've talked about, you know, amplifying women and, and building community for women. But I love so much that it's not this mentality about a girls only club. That's that's not how you roll. And, and I just value that so much that our listeners get to hear that, that we want to embrace all of our community. And, you know, sometimes we just amplify women because frankly, that's not something that happens enough. So, but you definitely connect with all sorts. And I just, I love that. Absolutely. I wanted to give you an opportunity as well here quickly, Jennifer, to talk about the project that you've got coming up. 
in collaboration with Allison Apsey as well, if you wanted to share with the listeners. Yes, that has been a lot of fun too. Um, Allison is a member of the Compelled Tribe, and um, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of her and um, and her books that are out, uh, Path to Serendipity. Um, she's got a new one coming out Um I believe it's through the lens of serendipity. Um, and then she's written a children's book. And so um, so we've connected through the Compelled Tribe and actually got to meet her in person last summer for the first time at that National Principals Conference. That was a lot of fun. And so she is in our Women in Ed Leadership Boxer group. And so we got to chatting on the side um, about doing something um, with a podcast. And um, we wanted to do it around the topic of women in Ed leadership or women in leadership. And so um, we are going to start a monthly podcast. We had our first episode that was published in December. Um, and so it'll be a monthly podcast. And we're going to try that for a while and see how that goes and see if we want to increase our frequency or maybe say, you know, this is not for us. We're not really sure what direction it's going to take, but um, it's been a lot of fun. And um, so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what's going to happen with that. But the, the podcast is called Rising Tide Radio. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us in the Anchor app, lots of platforms where you can find it, but it's called Rising Tide Radio. And the reason we call it Rising Tide Radio is because it, it really stems from a quote that I really believe in and use quite often and have shared in lots of places. Um, and that is that a rising tide lifts all ships. And that's what we want to do for women in leadership is to lift them up, just like what you're doing with your podcast uh, and what you're doing in your business. And so we wanted to be a part of that as well. And um, and that's where the name Rising Tide Radio comes from. This is amazing. This is going to come at a really incredible time. And I will make sure to link that in the show notes for our listeners. So those of you listening to the In Awe podcast, I hope that you'll check out the Rising Tide Radio. Love the quote. Love the concept, 1000% behind that. So we'll make sure to get that amplified here on this podcast. Yeah. And I also want to say, you know, we, we've mentioned um, two coincidences that have happened. And, you know, I don't really believe in coincidences. I think that things happen when they're supposed to happen, just like us meeting in person this summer, um, you joining the Women in Ed Leadership Boxer Group, the timing of our podcast, your podcast, all of these intersections, um, you know, are just, they're happening because they're supposed to happen that way. And it's just like the listeners who are listening to this podcast now, I believe that they're hearing this message truly because they're supposed to. And so I hope that if there's anyone who, you know, wants to learn more, um, you know, needs a mentor, um, anything like that, I hope that they will reach out because I just truly believe that, you know, it was meant to be that they hear this message today. Well, I agree. That's one of the main points is that there is a mission in our message. And I believe firmly in yours that it's landing right where it needs to as well, Jennifer. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> so I have a couple of standard questions that I'd like to get to because um, we focused on your community building, but there's so much about you, Jennifer, that is complex and incredible and beautiful. But would you be willing to share with the listeners today, if you were to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you write about? Um, I would think the person that I would write that letter to, and it would be that kid that I was um, until that year that I transferred colleges. Um, because when I was in high school, I was the kid who made straight A's. Um, I was a rule follower. I excelled in athletics, um, but I was very shy, um, did not have a lot of 
self-confidence in that regard, in a social aspect, I guess you could say. Um, I d- if a question was asked in class, I never raised my hand to answer the question. Even if I knew the answer, it was difficult for me to speak up in a, a group conversation. Um, and so I would write a letter to that person, that kid, and I would say, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You do you. And that's the kid that I would write the letter to. You know, it's funny. Um, growing up, all growing up, I said that I was going to be a lawyer from like second grade on. Um, I was going to be a lawyer. And when it came time to fill out the application to UAB, um, it asked you to mark what you're going to major in. And I was going to mark law. And so I was talking with my dad and um, he said, I don't think you should do that. I said, why not, dad? He said, I just don't think you have the personality for it. That's what my dad told me at that time. And so, you know, I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do now? And, you know, and he said, suggested I go into engineering because I was good at math and science. And and so now, though, we laugh and he says, you definitely have the personality now. You could be an attorney. But back then, you know, you did not. And so I would write a letter to that that young kid who lacked the confidence and just say, you know what, you know, you, you are here for a reason. Um, You matter. And, um, you know, just you do you. I love that message. And I'm sure that the listeners are thinking back to their own stage that you're kind of pointing at in your own life thinking, yeah, me too, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) When I set out to college, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And how funny is it that here I circle back with a microphone in front of me, turned away from that for different reasons too. So that's, that's really special. That's great. Okay. So I'm going to ask you about some awe-inspiring recommendations. Um, who, Jennifer, you are so well-connected, but who is somebody that you would recommend our listeners check out on social media? Um, one part, there, there's so many that I could recommend. And I think someone that I could recommend would be Lolly Daskal. You can find her on Twitter. Her hashtag is simply at Lolly Daskal and it's D-A-S-K-A-L. Um, I would recommend her. She's a leadership coach. Um, the, the, the members of the Women in Ed Leadership Boxer Group. We did a book study uh, a few summers ago on her, one of her books, The Leadership Gap, and it was it was awesome. Um, and her website is simply www.lollydaskell.com. And um, I think she would be someone really neat to follow who's not in education, but um, has lots of experience with leadership and coaching. And she does put out a lot of really great content as well um, on her social media. So great recommendation. And I will go ahead and link that um, listeners so you don't have to, you know, be dangerous if you're listening this driving. (laughs) I know that you're a pretty voracious reader. That seems to be where you like to get most of your um, development and you enjoy that. But what would you recommend for our listeners in terms of a book? Well, there's a book that I reread very often um, and it's by Jeff Olson. And the title of the book is The Slight Edge. If you follow me on social media, you may have seen me mention this before, but um, in the book, he shows us how powerful our small daily actions are and how they add up to incredible results. And and this is something that I've tried to live by for many years. But this year, um, for one of my three words that I've chosen for 2019, I've chosen the word practice, which really kind of aligns with the philosophy that Jeff Olson writes about. Um, Practice, to me, as a former athlete and a former coach, is is really about doing daily work. It's not for any glory. There's no audience. Um, but it all adds up to really great results 
whether it's personal or professional. And so um, I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It will be dog-eared. It will be highlighted. I promise you, if you get this book, um, you will want to reread it often too. Well, that's quite the recommendation. So I'll be for sure checking (laughs) that one out and linking it as well. So Jennifer, would you be able to share with the listeners where they could engage with you once this podcast is over? Absolutely. Um, You know, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jennifer underscore Hogan. Um, it's the same on Voxer, Jennifer underscore Hogan. Uh, and I blog at thecompellededucator.com. Just one word, thecompellededucator.com. And I also have a Facebook page. Uh, it's just facebook.com forward slash thecompellededucator. And if anyone wants to um, check out the ebook, it's called Handbook for Courageous Leadership and it's on Amazon. That's wonderful. Well, Jennifer, I will be sure to link everything because I know that our listeners have been inspired by you today, uh, just as I am anytime we engage. And I'm so thankful for your leadership and for taking the time to speak with me on the In Awe podcast and providing what is clearly an awe-inspiring interview today. Oh, thank you, Sarah. This has been uh, really an honor for me to be a part of this. So thank you for asking me and I'm, I'm just blessed to be here. Awesome. Thank you. When we engage with a community, we become so much better than when we try to go life alone. Thank you for amplifying each voice in the Community Builder series by sharing, rating, and reviewing episodes. Thank you also for lifting their voices to help messages land where they need to and for being an important part of this awe-inspiring community.